Hello, I'm Em. And I'm Eyes. And welcome to our brand new podcast, Tipples and Tolkien. Let us be your guides as we return to Middle-earth this fall with the premiere of the new Amazon show, Rings of Power. We'll discuss episodes with you, tell tales of old, and even bring you a brand new tipple recipe every week to enjoy. You can find us on all major podcast platforms, as well as Twitter, which is at Tipples Tolkien, that is T-I-P-P-L-E-S t-o-l-k-i-e-n and instagram at tipples and tolkien so cozy up pour yourself a drink and come on a journey with us this fall on tipples and tolkien stations action stations set condition one throughout the podcast welcome again to set condition one a night shift radio production i am sc1 actual and joining me as always is my xo kitsy you didn't say your name did i not you just said sc1 <laughs> actual and then you just went right to me all right let's do this over <laughs> i actually thought i said my name no. you didn't you're gonna have a lot to cut out of this beginning <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Throw me all off. Action stations. Action stations. Oh my god! <laughs> I quit. <laughs> oh, that's what I said today. Okay, I'll stop. I, I promise. Five and a half minutes of wasted recording on this end. <laughs> and, and yeah, that tape is so expensive, you know? It, it really is. Action stations. Action stations. Set condition one throughout the podcast. Welcome again to Set Condition One, a Night Shift Radio production. I am SC1 Actual Caleb, and with me as always is my XO Kitsy. Just XO, huh? Not trusty XO anymore? No, you're not trusty anymore. You threw me off. <laughs> okay, that's fair. And of course, the duly elected, oh, not duly elected, mm, the mm. recently uh, inaugurated president of the 12 colonies, Andrea. Hello. <laughs> That's me. How's everybody doing today? Oh, you know, a little sleepy. Been up for five yeah. days straight. <laughs> <laughs> Every 33 so, minutes, man. Every 33, 33 minutes. minutes. Is it maybe next time? Next time, maybe? Maybe next time. Maybe next time? Maybe, maybe this time. If you're just joining us, this time, uh, maybe. you probably should go back and start with the first episode. <laughs> but if that's not your gem, then I guess... Here you are. You're all along for the ride. Yeah, uh, we're not your dad. We're, yeah, we're not here to tell you how to live your life. Uh, however, if you're not just joining us, if you've been following along, you know that the colonial fleet just narrowly escaped uh, a Cylon attack at the Ragnar Anchorage after uh, some figurative and literal bombshells were dropped on them uh, in the form of learning uh, that the Cylons do, in fact, look like us now uh, and that they have nukes. Uh, and so we've escaped. But now here we are 
uh, an undisclosed amount of time in the future, but we know that for at least five days, uh, and I did the math, and it was it was roughly five and a half uh, in uh, you know, counting the, the number of jumps that they've made. The fleet has been pursued every 33 minutes without, uh, without disruption and without breaking the cycle. The Cylons catch up to them, and the fleet is forced to spool up the jump drives and jump away. Uh, and so they get into this cycle of uh, counting down the clock. They launch the Vipers to protect the fleet. The fleet jumps away. And then Galactica follows, uh, each time just narrowly missing destruction uh, from the, the, the Cylon missiles. And after five and a half days of no sleep, over 230 jumps, uh, everyone's nerves are getting ragged. Uh, the, the pilots are having to start taking stimulants to you know, stay awake in their combat patrols. And uh, things are looking bleak. You know, why can't the uh, the fleet escape? Why are the Cylons able to find them after every jump? What what can they do to break this cycle? Will this why, next time? Be why the is one? it every thirty three minutes? Why is it every thirty three minutes? That's actually a question that I'm not sure we ever learn the answer to. We never Ooh. do. Oh, yeah. At least not in this episode. <clears throat> Meanwhile, back on Cylon occupied Caprica. We catch up a little bit with uh, our old friend Carl Agathon, call signed Hilo, uh, who's found himself in a bit of a run-in with some uh, some Cylons there on the planet, and uh, he gets a bit of a shocker himself as he uh, starts to learn uh, where he is that there are Cylons that look like humans now, uh, because he wasn't in a position to know that just yet when uh, his radar landed. Did he know that Six was a Cylon? I don't know that he knew. I think he, he figured assumed. it out. I think he figured it out when she helped cap the uh, the Centurion capture him. Yeah. I wonder, would you assume, if you didn't know the Cylons looked like us, would your assumption be that some human has gone rogue and is working with the Maybe. Cylons? Maybe. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't. I'm I don't operating know. under the assumption that at this point he's figured it out because he's been on the planet for, uh, we'll be, uh, we'll be generous and say that it's been at least a week. Right. Uh, and so, uh, in, on the run from centurions who he knew existed and potentially from this new type of Cylon, uh, who he encounters and seems to have a moment of recognition with. Uh, before you know, running from That's true. and slowly suffering from radiation poisoning as the, the planet had been nuked straight to hell. Uh, I'm, I'm operating on the assumption that he's figured it out by now, but that's a great, uh, great point. Maybe he hasn't. I mean, I don't know about you, but it, given, given my current experience, if the machines took over and, oh, but someday. And, and, <laughs> and wiped out humanity, and I was left, and I saw another human, or who I would think was a human, and they were aiding the machines. My first thought wouldn't be, oh shit, the machines made a human. My first thought would be, that's a fucking traitor. Fair. That's, that's just me. Fair. This is interesting to me, and I'm also wondering then if, I guess, does he say anything in that moment to imply either that this is or isn't the first human-like person he's seen like 
since we left him. Is, is this the fifth time he's he's seen a, a six, for example? Yeah, he doesn't say anything at all. Like he, we don't really know. He encounters two centurions that he manages to uh, blow up with uh, what appears to be basically like a, a remote-operated mine of some sort. Um, and he then proceeds to empty a pistol clip into one of them to you know, <laughs> put it down. Um, but as he's uh, trying to take a moment to recover and dose himself with anti-radiation meds, uh, that's when he encounters the six. And he has... Uh, I, I might be coming more to your, uh, your your point of view because he has what it appears to be like, he almost feels like he might be in a fever dream as he, he's looking at her and she asks, are you alive? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And proceeds to make out with him, which was kind of hilarious. Like, I mean, that's her sixes, move, you know? Yeah. The sixes are just horny as shit, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then um, they're, um, they're cornered by another centurion and he... Surrenders. Um, yeah. Am I, yeah. Am I right there? Yeah. yeah. He, he surrenders, but who steps in to save the day? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It's Sharon. She's come it's, back for him. Boomer is here. Okay, Boomer. Okay, Boomer. <laughs> now, we know this is not the Boomer that he knew. Mm-hmm. Because she's still piloting her Raptor. Uh running combat patrols with the fleet mm-hmm. and just as irritable and <laughs> sleep deprived as everyone else. Well, well, or maybe <laughs> she seems to be handling it a little bit better than everyone else. In reality, they, boy. they even do call that out. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Apollo even says like, Hey, you know, Sharon, you're not, you know, you know, you seem like you're doing well. And she's like, Hey, I'm just as tired as everyone else. And he's like, doesn't seem to affect you. <laughs> she's doing are the big you, fake yawn. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> and then uh, Starbuck even throws out the little jab, like, she's a Cylon. Yeah. Which, uh, of course, we know she is, but they don't. But they don't know that. And Hilo does not know that this boomer is a completely different boomer than the one he knew before. What do you think is going through Hilo's mind right now as he's, like, he's been marooned on this planet now for, like I said, at least a week, and he thinks that, like... Rightfully, by his own request, Sharon left him there, and now here, he, here she is again, to, just in time to save him. Well, I, I think he's probably like, oh, she came back for me. Or, like, maybe he's thinking the fleet's here, and we're going to take Caprica back, or, you know, any, any number of things to be going through his head. I, but I don't think suspecting her of being a Cylon would be high up there. No, I think um, possibly that she's back. Possibly this is, you know, there's a lot of fever dream type stuff. Happening, he's another one who I'm guessing probably hasn't slept too much. Um, he's also like, definitely suffering from radiation poisoning, which yes. I will say looks a lot like whatever happens to the Cylons when they're um, outed in uh, the second part of the miniseries. There was a second where I looked at Kitsy and I was like, "Are we? Is Hilo also a, a Cylon?" Um, and then huh. they reminded me that radiation is very bad for the human body. Yes, so. Yeah, actually, the the whatever it is in the atmosphere at Ragnar Anchorage or in the storm clouds uh, basically does affect the silence in the same way that radiation does humans. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a really great call out. It's just my not paying close enough attention, but we can call it a a good call out. That works for me. That is, of course, assuming Hilo is a human and not a Cylon. Mm-hmm. But Ooh. I'll never tell. Is Hilo? 
I didn't suspect him to be one, but well, any more than I suspect everybody. So <laughs> we do I have. Mean, you do suspect Ira Glass. For sure, Ira Glass. <laughs> that, I mean, with a last name like Glass, like. Yeah, that sounds fake as fuck, bro. Yeah. What's a jo- <laughs> Nobody's gonna. Yeah. George Glass is no Brady Bunch. I can't imagine why there are no Brady Bunch fans in the. Uh, on the call right now, but so this is a Battlestar Galactica <laughs> fan cast. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> this is my Brady Bunch corner. So I'll allow it. Thank you. So, so Andrea, who do we who do we know as a Cylon so far? So we didn't we didn't get any new ones this week, right? Confirmed. I don't think. Right. Okay. So Correct. we have um, uh, six, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have um, uh, President Rosalind's ass- no. No, you just think <laughs> the tour guide from. Uh, yeah, I'm so bad with names, but I guess his name. Well, his name does maybe matter because he could be back. What is his name? Actually, surprisingly, it, I don't remember. Yeah, his I don't name. remember either. It's like it's something with an A. I will find it. Okay, so there's so there's that guy. There is. Um, six, boomer. Um, the guy in the armory that yeah. they find. The Oban. The tweaker in the armory. The, the tweaker in the armory, which is my <laughs> favorite um, uh, Sherlock Holmes book, right? <laughs> uh, and is that, that's four. Is that it? Did you say boomer yet? Yeah, boomer, tweaker in the armory. Uh, six and the tour guide from the opening of the first episode. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It was so easy to find before. And then Billy Ray Cylon. No, Billy Ray and Ira, Cylon. And Ira Glass. <laughs> Doral. 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 There we go. The, uh, yes, there's an A in Doral. I was right. <laughs> yes. A Doral. Just a have Doral. to remember, he's a he's a cigarette brand. There we go. <laughs> I'm going to remember it because he's adorable. Dora, adorable. Uh, uh, you want to take that one again? Adorable. Adorable. That was harder to say than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Most things so, yeah. that come out of my mouth are. So that's four. So that's four. Jeez. So we, we know a third of them right from the miniseries, but we don't learn any, any new ones right now. I was thinking about how much uh, the plot is advanced in this episode, and it's not a ton. Right. No. Um, we get a whole bunch of jumps. We we kind of we we get the the body count thing, which is well, it's the survivor count. The survivor count, right? <laughs> <laughs> the opposite guess, of a body count. I guess it depends on how you look at it. I guess, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yes, it is how many bodies are alive. My yeah. Um, but. Uh, there's a couple of uh, significant uh, conflict points, though, where the uh, there's a a doctor so and so on the Olympic carrier, which uh, is one of the ships of the fleet. Is it Aramark? Or it's not Aramark. It's something like I think that. it's Amarak. Amarak, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Doctor Amarak, who uh, who has some very urgent information for President Roslin regarding how the Cylons managed to. Uh, infiltrate the defense system, which, of course, uh, Dr. Baltar, who's sitting right there, uh, you know, only feet away from President Roslin, is, you know, shitting his pants. Yeah. (laughs) 
the more he despicable. definitely doesn't want that to come out. No, no, he does not. No, and the more despicable he gets, the more I kind of like him. It's which I know is not the way I should be watching um, this, but he is. I, I get such a kick out of him. I will say you will go from loving him to hating him many times over the next four seasons. I'm ready. James oh, Callis. Season. Yeah, there there are four seasons. No, James Callis but- has this. <laughs> Like lovable shitbag quality to the way he, yes. he yeah. plays Gaius Baltar, and like, yeah, like you want to hate him, and sometimes you do, but sometimes you're like, ah, that Gaius, he got me again. Yeah, <laughs> those are my my favorite characters. It, he he plays that character so well. Yeah, I I do love that uh, Doctor Amarak um, insists on bringing his news to directly to the president in person and like cannot be convinced otherwise. Like, at, you know, as soon as they get to the next jump point, he's going to be on the, the next transport over uh, from the Olympic carrier to the, you know, the president's uh, right to the president's desk to, to hand deliver this news. And so we get this, this setup of tension. Uh, but I love the way that they explain uh, why suddenly this guy's coming out of the woodworks with the news. Uh, how do they explain that? Six does it. Oh, I, I, sorry. I wasn't, I wasn't switching to Cylon perspective there. Uh, yeah. In the, uh, in so the, uh, the episode shifts a lot back and forth between reality, so to speak, and a like dream sequence that Gaius is having with him and the six back on Caprica. And she's telling him all about God's plan for him and everything. And when he expresses doubt, she says, you, you know, you'll like God's going to punish you for your doubt. And then suddenly there's this news of this doctor who's going to be coming over in the, the very next jump to uh, to out him, essentially. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, you have to repent for your doubt. He does fast, too, or at least yeah. he, <laughs> yeah. he pretends to. He pretends to real fast. Uh, which which does save him momentarily. But, uh, oh, we have uh, multiple Dreda's contacts. Uh, we're going to need to jump. Why don't we go ahead and hear from our sponsors uh, this week? And when we come back, we will talk about the rest of the episode. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Never Heard of It podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight, And I'm Caleb Coy. And together, we plumb the murkiest depths and scour the darkest corners of the internet in search of movies. Movies you might have missed. Or purposefully skipped over. We break down the madness and offer tiny tidbits of trivia. Or sometimes just yell into the abyss about how these movies ever got made. Catch a new episode every week. Might as well jump! You can't cut that out. I won't. Okay. In fact, I'm going to copy and paste it into every single episode now. <laughs> I, I have a running list of songs with jump Fantastic. in this, so don't you worry. Fantastic. Caleb, you want to bring us back? Welcome back, everyone. Reset the clock. 33 minutes. <laughs> On my mark? Mark. <laughs> Who's Mark? It's, uh, Mark Ruffalo. Ah. Mark, yes. Excellent. Excellent choice. Um, so... We learned that the, the fleet's been pursued through over 200 and uh, at this point over 238 jumps, I think. They, they, mm-hmm. they get upwards of at least 240 um, before they, they start to see any, any signs of hope. Um, but at one point during one of the jumps, uh, a ship goes missing. What ship is it, Caleb? It's the Olympic carrier. 
Wait a minute. Isn't that the one with Dr. Emmerich on it? <laughs> it is. The it very is. same. The Don't very you think same. if you were Dr. Emmerich and you had uh, information like that, you wouldn't be so free with it? Like, have to get to Rosalind. I won't, I won't say who it is or what exactly, but there is a traitor. Like, it seems like that should be sort of classified. But So here's the thing. I'm going to challenge you with this, and, we, and we'll talk about this uh, uh, when we get to, to the end of the episode mm-hmm. here, but uh, there was no Dr. Amarak. Oh, that's, that's what you're positing? I, I'm positing there was never a Dr. Amarak. This was all a ruse. Who comes—oh, is it—it's Billy Ray Cylon, right? Let's circle back to that. Okay. <laughs> I love that you're just going to keep calling him that. <laughs> well, that's who he is in my— in my heart and in my mind, because I think I'm right. And in your notebook. And in my notebook, for sure. Don't tell him about my notebook. My Everyone s- can hear your notebook in the microphone. <laughs> That's just my so, Werther's original. <laughs> so After the, this, the, uh, this miscalculation or miscommunication or, like, sleep deprivation or something that causes <laughs> them to leave a ship behind... You know, obviously, there, there's a moment where you know there's this understanding of this tragic loss of over 1,300 additional souls. They they you know, they update the the headcount board from like over 50,000 to now like 47 something, 48 something. Math, I can't do it. 47,972. Um, thank you. I wrote it down. Um, Notebook. <laughs> and they. Um, Ty gives such a great speech at that moment, too. Yes. It's a, it's a short one, but uh, it's something to the effect of, like, yeah, we're tired. Yeah, we're itchy. Yeah, we need to shower, <laughs> but we still need to do our damn jobs. And, uh, you know, gives him, you know, he gives him the, uh, the old crack of the whip, which then, uh, you know, Adama follows up with, uh, you know, when we make mistakes, people die. Mm-hmm. That's, that's like all he says. Just. Very succinct words. Yeah. Um, I love that there's a a, like a really quiet moment between the two of them, and you know, Adama basically says like, you know, you're, do you think you're riding them a little hard? And Ty's like, you know, if they don't hate the XO, I'm not doing my job. (laughs) Yep. Plus, I got to make the old man look good. I always look good. (laughs) Fuck yeah, EJO. It is interesting to see um, the two of them sort of come together in a way and be a little more united in the in the face of this sort of tension more so than like what we saw in episode one like well this is episode one uh what we saw in part one miniseries. of the miniseries yeah. forgive yeah. me how, how dare, dare you how dare yeah there's, write that in your notebook <laughs> <laughs> there's like a couple of great little Kitsy moments between them it's not my friend anymore. no no um, yeah, that's in the, the notebook. You know, after uh, after that conversation, you know, Ty makes a comment like, you know, I know it's strange, but like I feel more alive than I have in years. And Adama's like, well, it's nice to see you without the cup in your hands, like referencing Ty's alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then later on, there's a, a really like kind of genuinely like tender moment when they're in like Adama's quarters and Adama's shaving and like they're going over like mission briefings and stuff and Ty just picks up Adama's food and starts eating. He's like, you eating this? <laughs> Not eating this? anymore. 
I have somehow never noticed that before today. It's so great. It's such a great little throwaway moment. He just picks up and starts eating the noodles. Well, because the thing is, he has a mouthful of noodles when he says, you still eating this? <laughs> like, he's already got the noodles in his mouth. This show is really good at those little moments. I can imagine that there's a lot of um, sort of rewatchability mm-hmm. in this show yeah. for those kinds of things. Which for sure. Absolutely. been really fun. I'd- I think the miniseries did a good job of establishing how well these two know each other. Mm-hmm. But uh, this episode starts down that path of really digging into just like how close their working relationship and friendship really is. And I think that that's, that's really cool because it, it does, it, it builds those attachments between them, but allows us to build an attachment to them as well. But we have a crisis on our hands because at first, we think there may be some respite because although the Olympic carrier is missing, our timer goes past 33 minutes and no Cylons. It's true. And, we go well, and for the well. first time in the series, we go to condition two. Mm. Yeah. That Which was exciting for do. me. We're always we will never condition do, one. We will never do condition two <laughs> no. on this podcast. High alert. Condition, <laughs> condition two can be our like podcast about the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> It's the behind the scenes podcast. Behind the scenes. That's that's for our uh, OnlyFans account. Whoa. Okay. You'll also get to see what's in my notebook. Oh. It's all fan fiction. Excellent. Fantastic. Oh. I Wow. Yeah. So, so the Cylons. The Cylons don't they show look, up. And we go like to condition us, two. They yes, they do. Thank you. We've established that. We go to condition two, and uh, you know Rosalind asks Rosalind and Adam are on the phone. You know the old school corded telephone. God, I it's love that great. phone. Yeah. So good. I love like Adama's is all like big and military and like mm-hmm. rugged and bulky, and then like Rosalind's is like just your average. You know, it's the phone I had in like middle school with like the fifteen foot cord that I would drag from the kitchen into my room. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, Rosalyn says, you know, how long are we going to be at condition two? And Tom is like, till I'm satisfied that the Cylons aren't coming. <laughs> like, he's like, it's a military decision because they had previously established the parameters that like he was in charge of anything military and she it remains the civilian authority. And she's just like, yeah, yeah, I, mm-hmm, I agree. <laughs> you cool. You, your you, jets. Get, you do what you got to do. <laughs> just, just asking, bro. It's <laughs> just asking. Take a deep breath, Commander. Um, so they they uh, allow the the Viper pilots to to actually take some time and like get you know like three hours sleep instead of maybe ten minutes, uh, <laughs> and they set a patrol uh, that ends up being Lee, Starbuck, and Boomer, and Boomer's new uh, kind of co-pilot, who is uh, who do they assign with him with her? Oh, what's his face? Why am I drawing a blank? He becomes somebody in the show. <laughs> oh. No, like he, he's like, it's crash he's not down. just like a. I was going to yeah. say crash down, and I thought that that was wrong. Crash down. Crash down? Yeah. Crash that's down, which code is. Code name or. It's the worst code name for a yeah. pilot I've ever heard. <laughs> that's a terrible call sign. Although I guess he's not a pilot. He's a, he's a whatever, whatever the other person in the Raptor does. It's never really clear. It's not really better when the guy who's running your Dreadus 
is uh, okay. Okay, <laughs> <named> fair. <laughs> Maybe it's like when you call a big guy tiny. Oh, okay. Maybe it's like he's really good at f- like flying up, fly up, flying up, fly up. <laughs> so it, it is. Uh, Sharon does reveal um, after she like kind of yells at him uh, while they're back parked on Galactica, and, and Chief is like, "Hey, like, you know." weren't you kind of hard on him or whatever and, and uh you know she reveals that he's just uh some civilian from i forget which colony um, i think i think she says sagittarian what was it but, that mean, sounds right that sounds right to yeah. me have a, have a one in 12 ch- chance of being <laughs> yeah. right and uh <laughs> you know he's not really military they just kind of like oh shit we need more people so we're just gonna grab this guy um so he's pretty green uh and then she snaps at Chief, too, who's, uh, you know, saying, like, hey, you know, Hilo's gone. She's like, I didn't ask you that either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I think she refers to him specifically as a refugee, which, I mean, yeah. he, he is, but I think I mean, that they that, all are. Yeah, I think yeah. that word is significant. Yeah. Um, as, as somebody who's watched three episodes now, but it just seems like uh, that word, maybe I'm just reading it from our context, but it feels particularly loaded. Yeah. I think that that's fair to say. Tensions uh, are high. Mm-hmm. This scene no in particular, one. though, is why I, I uh, thought of her as being like as irritable as everyone else. So, like, while she seems mm-hmm. to be holding up physically under the the sleep deprivation, she does still like seem like very mentally stretched thin and like is like snapping very easily uh, at people who you know are just they mean well. Yeah. They, mm-hmm. She's just not having it. She's but, not you know, having she's, it. She's been through a rough time. I mean, everyone's been through a rough time at this point, but like, you know, having to. Well, I've been doing leave, fine. <laughs> <laughs> having to leave her, her, uh, her, you know, flying partner back on Caprica has uh, obviously taken its toll. And this, you know, new state of war that they're in has taken its toll. I don't think really any of these uh, military people, except the, you know, the old hats like. Uh, the commander and Colonel Ty, uh, you know, those few that have been around long enough to have actually fought in the silent war. I don't think any of them ever expected to be at war. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it was just something they, they signed up for because that's what you did. And, you know, they, they trained to protect the, the colonies, but never thought the silence were coming back and would actually have to fight them. And yet here we are. Mm-hmm. And yet here we are. Speaking now, of here we are. Trade is contact. <laughs> That's true. Not an uh, ad break this time. The Olympic carrier is back. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Gaius has uh, expressed his doubt, and uh, God is uh, once again going to punish him by bringing back the Olympic carrier. And the uh, the patrol uh, goes to to catch up with them and you know guide them back into the fleet. Uh, but the colonel or the uh, the commander is suspicious. I don't think He's he, suspicious, uh, but uh, but Gaius is kind of the first one to say it. Like, hey, we don't know what happened to them. We don't know where they've been. They've probably been infiltrated. We cannot risk this. <laughs> it, just, oh, it, it just blurts it all out in like a moment of panic. Yeah, <laughs> but the, and the president has Adama on the line, and 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 she's like, you know, what do you think? And, and Adama's like, I tend to agree with him. And the president's like, yeah, me too. <laughs> so they they make the call to cut off all communication with the Olympic carrier. And they, uh, they warn it not to approach the fleet, uh, but it begins to ignore them after, like, 
having been in like a radio dialogue with him, then just goes totally silent and just goes on, you know, a course straight for the fleet. And they suddenly realize like, oh shit, the Olympic carrier has nukes. Yes. Yes, they get a radiological alarm, which is how they know it has nukes. And so in a very tense moment, the decision is made. Uh, Adama calls it, we need to destroy the Olympic carrier and instructs Lee and Starbuck to shoot it down, which they are quite conflicted about because it is a mm-hmm. civilian ship. Mm-hmm. And civilians, they are sworn to protect. I do like that they make a point of like zooming in on the windows and like you can't see anyone there. Like whereas like they had just been having a radio discussion with this this ship and like trying to figure out like how, why did the Cylons leave you alone? Like how did you survive after everyone jumped away? And they're like, oh they just they just left. We we like we had problems with our FTL drive. It took us three hours to fix it, and then they just left us. They just let us go. <laughs> It seems like a, a pretty, uh, sure pretty weird story. Did. Yeah. Uh, but, the, you know, they zoom out on the windows and you see there's no one in there. And it's, it's basically just floating adrift like a ghost ship. Uh, so now, what happened? Spooky. it's important to note that as soon as the Olympic carrier jumped in, Adama called for the clocks to be reset. Mm-hmm. And at 33 minutes, who shows up but our old buddies, the Cylons? They were tracking the Olympic They were carrier. tracking the or, and this is what I'm positing, is the Cylons had the Olympic carrier the whole time. It was never colonists, or if it was, it was taken over very early, and the Cylons were running that ship. They were part of the colonial fleet for all those jumps, and that's how they weren't tracking the ship. They had actual Cylons on that ship running it. And or actual Cylons on um, the Okay, here's what's happening in my brain right now. It's oh. the the ship. Yeah, welcome. Um, <laughs> the big ship is Galactica, right? Mm-hmm. I was yes. really nervous that I was saying something it's wrong the one, right there. The, that's the ship the show's uh, named yeah, after. Yes. Okay, well, I know. Okay, but um, <laughs> but uh, or there's somebody who knows they're a Cylon on board there, right? Or I guess they don't even need to be. Like for example, if Boomer's a Cylon and Cylons can like track other Cylons, right? They like the ship's basically microchipped then. Possibly. I don't know if it's established if they can track individual Cylons or not, especially through jumps. I feel like that's probably not okay. yeah. possible, but yeah. I think we'll, we'll learn more about how the Cylon technology works later, but uh but yeah, it, it's, it seems to me that I, uh, I think the Olympic carrier was never full of people, or if it was, it was infiltrated early on, they were all killed, and that, that was nothing but Cylons, and they just kept quiet so they could keep tracking the fleet. Because think about it, if your Olympic carrier pilot is, a, pilot is a Cylon, and you're relaying to him all of the uh, coordinates of the next jump, then he's just going to relay that right back to the fleet, the Cylon fleet. Where does yeah. the, that's a good point. So they don't even necessarily need to be tracking the ship. They just he just goes, "Hey guys, Here's they're going here." So who then are we? So if Doctor Amarak right, never existed, n- sure, never not a real person. Whether he did or didn't, what um, 
I guess then it matters who that message actually comes from, right? Because if it comes from somebody on the ship as Billy Ray Cylon is is claiming, I think he's the one who comes to her mm-hmm. with that information, right? Um, what? Where's the benefit for them? Six is a Cylon. Six is telling Baltar, like, hey, God's going to fuck with you. And now suddenly the Cylon... You know, the silent occupied uh, Olympic carrier is saying, "Hey, we've got a we've got someone here who claims there's a traitor." Mm-hmm. So, so just to fuck with, just to fuck with Baltar, huh? I would go so yeah. far as to say that there was a Doctor Amarak on Caprica, that he yes. was a real yes. person because Baltar freaked when he heard that name. Yeah, yeah, Baltar recognized the name right away. So I think I think that that there was a Doctor Amarak. I don't think. I don't think there was a Dr. Amarak anymore by the time we heard about him on Colonial okay. One. Yeah. That's that's seems, my theory. That seems realistic. Yeah, I'm I'm willing to entertain that that possibility. I'm really I've got a lot running around in my head about the the Olympic carrier. Um I'm it there seems like every time I land on something, it sort of undoes something else. Something else. So I'm not ready to I, I will say that I am not speaking from any knowledge here that I have gained by watching the series. Mm. It's never really explained what happened with the Olympic carrier because, you know, they blew it up. So the, the, the humans will never find out. Right. They'll never know right. for sure. And so as the audience, we also never really know. So I'm I'm literally just guessing at this point. Yeah. Like there's this is not like I know something you don't from the future. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a fun way to yeah. record our podcast, huh? Yeah. No, it wouldn't actually. I, think. <laughs> I um, remember being like somewhat torn up myself the first time seeing that seeing mm-hmm. that go down. Like I don't know if I caught on to the fact that the, the ship was in fact actually empty uh, at that point the first time or two that I watched this. Um I think it was really more in, in this watch through that like I was focusing so heavily on that, and so like I felt uh, as much the uh, like holy shit like they made the call to to blow up this ship just in case, and like yeah the 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 gamble paid off, but like eesh, that's a lot of people to risk for that. Yeah, and and, and like you, Caleb, I this is the first time I've ever thought of that theory. Like, it kind of occurred to me on this watch. It was like, oh holy shit, this is what's probably happening. Um, cause before I thought, you know, I, I took, you know, the captain of the carrier at, at his word and thought, oh no, they, they just showed up, but you know, they've got to blow up the Olympic carrier cause they think that's how they're being tracked and it's, you know, them or us basically. But, uh, but now I, th- I think it's the, it's, you know, what I just said earlier. When we see Lee and Starbuck, um, approach the carrier, are they also able to tell, I can't remember that it's empty. Yeah, because Lee even says, I don't see anyone in there, do you? Okay. Um, I've been thinking about who it has and hasn't been able to make the tough calls. Like, I thought early on in the miniseries, they were setting Rosalind up to maybe be the more, like, not the soft one, but the one to sort of think about the the people that are on board and that she's, you know, directly in contact with versus the, the military making the tough calls. But Rosalind gives the okay. Yeah. And then... Mm-hmm. Lee's the one who actually, you know, um, blows the ship up. And Starbuck is the one who isn't, she's kind of arguing against it. Um, But she does ultimately pull the trigger when Lee does. Right, right. Um, But I think that if Lee, or 
my assumption, my the way they were um, portraying it, at least, I think, is that she wouldn't have, if not already, which is interesting if they knew the ship, or at least assumed the ship was empty. I don't know. Um, I mean, I think yeah. I think the, the point is they, they weren't sure. They didn't know. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it, it could be empty. It's, it's Schrodinger's ship, right? It yeah. could be empty. It could be full of, of colonists. Oh, it could be full yeah. of cats. Who knows? It could be full of cats. <laughs> Just filled up with dead cats. Just wall There's no way to tell. cats. <laughs> so uh, many. And I like I think that that like really comes through in like the the like argument between Lee and and Kara in that moment where like Lee is realizing like we have to do this like this is awful and like he's trying to justify it by like saying like I don't see anyone on there so maybe it's it's really empty maybe this is a trap but like you can tell like he doesn't want to do it but like you know it's, it's in his face like he. He makes that call, and Kara the whole time is like, "We're not, we're not gonna do this, right, Lee? We, we can't do. Oh, oh I guess we're fucking doing this. <laughs> Here we go." <laughs> and so. it's funny because yeah, she thinking about her, um, the blunder she made back with Lee's brother passing him when she really shouldn't have. Right, the tougher call for her would have been to fail him in flight school, mm-hmm. um, but she pushes him through knowing she shouldn't have mm-hmm. um and i wonder what sort of effect that's having on her now um if maybe she is we'll see her be a little less rash it seems like she's kind of known for being a little bit of a firecracker and i wonder if that's um how that's gonna sort of mm. progress throughout the show i think she might be a cylon now though <laughs> because she Excellent. didn't want to blow up the ship <laughs> um Oh, maybe no, because she is also um, wide awake and bushy-tailed because she's taking the stimulants. Maybe right. No, we see her take them. Right, but who says that she needed them in the first place? Oh, I see. I see. Mm, interesting. Because she did have that big fight with Lee about not taking them. Mm-hmm. I, I do love that because like she pushes back against all authority, but like. When Lee doesn't stand up and say, like, no, you like, this is an order and you're going to follow it, she, like, pushes back on him for that and, like, gives him <laughs> shit, like, you know, if I were in charge and one of my pilots said they weren't going to do this, I'd smack them in the face and <laughs> make them take it. And I think that uh, continues to show, like, not only the, the, the close dynamic between the two of them, but also, again, the, like, how much pressure that they're under because they both crack out laughing uh, yep. after that moment. Uh, but you know, it, it seems like it's going to be a, a real tense kind of knockdown drag out sort of incident. They but, have, but then they just laugh and take drugs. <laughs> <laughs> like they we have a really do. fun dynamic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think we've covered uh, pretty much everything that happens in this episode. Uh, Andrew, I'd love to hear your thoughts, predictions, uh, theories. Welcome to Andrea's Lost Corner. Oh, no. <laughs> so for fans of Lost, um, I'm willing to bet that uh, if you're somebody who watched the show and are rewatching now, um, it this episode opens in a very Lost fashion um, with a uh, close up on an eyeball with a countdown with significant numbers. Um there is mm. so much overlap um, with an empty ship, uh, which is relevant um, 
see how much longer I can do this before uh, Kitsy shuts my mic off. Um, I actually I'll just edit this out later. Don't worry. <laughs> um, I actually checked the the air dates, um, and they're they're very close. So I'm not saying that anybody's stealing from anybody else, but it is that overlap is fun for me. Um, my my theories now. Um, I am again still. I don't know that any of my theories have changed quite yet because this episode did kind of slow down and settle into um, just kind of giving us some time to work through some dynamics and establish some characters um, a little more in a way that I think was really useful and helpful. But like I said, um, in terms of plot shifting for me um, or my feelings about the plot and what's going on, um, I think I'm still where I was last week in terms of everybody's a suspect. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm still interested to see where this goes. Oh, you know what was really interesting to me that we didn't um, talk about is the show Lost. No, um, <laughs> is, uh, is uh, Hallucination 6 telling Gaius that she wants to have a baby? Yeah. Oh, that's him? right. So does that mean, I mean, she's... If she's like a figment of his imagination, we can't assume that they can actually reproduce, right? But we do know that they bleed. Mm-hmm. Um, we do know that um, they can suffer from gunshot, or maybe not gunshot wounds, but from bullet wounds. Um, or bullet, bullets? Bullets, just the word bullet. Bullets. They can get shot and it can hurt real bad. <laughs> um, and I keep saying, or we keep leaning on Rosalind not being a Cylon because Cylons don't get cancer. But if Cylons can have babies, um, which I'm not going to say babies are a cancer, um, but uh, <laughs> they but are an aggressive growth in your body. Ex- yeah, they're more parasitic <laughs> than anything else. Um, but uh, but I wonder if that's actually then an argument for Rosalind not. Um, yeah, I will also say that. And I don't know how much how much uh, stock to put in this, but in our second or third episode that we recorded, y'all said something about knowing that one of us, which one of us is a Cylon. Which, I don't remember that. Yeah, it doesn't sound like us. Uh, okay. <laughs> Sounds fake. So that's your Madam President here, XO over there, and... Uh, um, SC1 actual Caleb. So <laughs> who's our actual? Adama? Adama. Yeah. Um, so of the three, I, uh, or was I just fucking with you? Well, if you don't remember it, <laughs> I guess is that. No, I remember it. I'm just uh, denying it. Uh, <laughs> hmm. hmm. Spoken like a true Cylon. <laughs> so yeah, we'll see. I need more input. Mm. Um, I do, You'll get it. Yeah, you will definitely get it. Um, I do appreciate how they decided to like jump right in with this particular plot line in the first episode of like the series. Like, you know, the miniseries mm-hmm. is done, everything has been established, and rather than like us getting 
uh, a period of time of like character exposition and these long story arcs and whatnot. And then like midway through second season, having this really tense episode, which I feel like is the way that a lot of action shows would do it. Like once everything's really been established, then they'd really throw the, the more dire circumstances at them. They put this right at the beginning and like show you that even though they narrowly escaped uh, with their lives and the, the end of the miniseries, like they are by no means out of danger or even close to it. And it really sets a tone for how um, intense this, uh, this situation is going to remain for at least the foreseeable future for these uh, fleeing humans. And I think that's a, a really great way to, to, to start off the show. It also respects, I think, the viewers in a way that it doesn't have to go back and give us a like, you know, that's what you missed on Glee kind of recap mm-hmm. or reestablishing characters. It just kind of expects you to go along with it. And it's not really uh, spoon feeding you anything, which yeah. I really like. Mm-hmm. This is also the uh, the first episode where we get our uh, theme song. <laughs> it is. Which, I said- uh I think later on in the series actually gets a name. I think that they referenced the song in the show, if I'm not mistaken, but that might be a question for another time. Might be a question for a time. Although there is one tiny little sliver of hope that we forgot to mention. Mm. And that is, uh, you know, throughout the episode, a couple different times, Rosalind has to uh, erase her whiteboard and uh, write a smaller number. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. An ever decreasing number of survivors, um, but at the end of the episode, Billy uh, tells her like, "Oh, you need to update the uh, the survivor count," and she's like, "You know, just so defeated." She's like, "How do how many lose now?" And he's like, "Actually, add one. A baby was born on uh, one of the ships. I forget which one. Doesn't yeah. matter." So that's our little ray of hope at the end. So apparently when Adama gave the order for people to start having babies, somebody listened. <laughs> somebody. Well, okay, that's a little fast. It does take nine months to make a baby. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that person was already pregnant before the war. How they long were does an it overachiever. Take? How long does it take a Cylon to make a baby? That's a good question. Oh. Could also be a vampire. Uh, it's not a vampire. Baby per Twilight. I'll tell you right now, it's not I... a vampire. There's no Twilight vampires in this series. All right. That we can definitively say without spoilers. Well, sounds yeah. like no. something a Twilight vampire would say, but <laughs> we'll see. All right. That's okay. You got me there. Writing that down as well. And with that, now that we've eliminated the immediate threat and are not under uh, pursuit, I think we can uh, plot our next course and safely jump away. I think so, too. So we'll... Spool up the FTL drives, and if you want to join us next time, subscribe to the show and follow along. Yeah, if you subscribe to the show, you'll get our jump coordinates every week. <laughs> and you'll always know where we are. I'm upset that I didn't think of that. You can rendezvous with us. <laughs> so say we all. So say we all. So say we all. Begin jump prep. We're leaving. We'll be back. Start your prep. Set Condition 1 is a Night Shift Radio production. Visit nightshiftradio.com for more information.